So this is class number 20, the Eucharist part 2. We now go back to the Eucharist, sacramental presence of Christ, redemptive sacrifice, and then the Eucharist also as a sacrifice of Christ and the church. And lastly, the ends and truth of the Holy Mass. So in what way is the Holy Mass a sacrifice? So the Holy Mass is a sacrifice because the Holy Mass represents, when I say represents, it's R-E-P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. As in, it makes present again in the today of the church, of the church's liturgical celebration, the unique sacrifice of our redemption. So each time the church celebrates the Eucharist, she is called upon to accept the gift Christ offers her and to take part in her Lord's sacrifice, offering herself with him to the Father for the salvation of the world. Hence, we can say that the Holy Mass is the sacrifice of Christ and the church. The apostles under the species of bread and wine, his body offered up in sacrifice, and his blood for the remission of sins. Anticipating in that memorial rite what took place on Golgotha a short while later. So what happened in Golgotha? Uh, he was crucified on the cross. And that was his ultimate sacrifice for us. So since then, the church, under the guidance and with the power of the Holy Spirit, has never ceased fulfilling Christ's command to his disciples. And what did he say? What did our Lord say? Do this in memory of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this sacramental proclamation of our Lord's Eucharistic sacrifice is of special effectiveness. It is not only a sign or figure of Christ's redeeming sacrifice. It truly makes present his person and the salvific event commemorated. So it's not just a memorial. It is the Actual, it is really a sacrifice of Christ on Golgotha, there on the altar when we hear the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So the Eucharist is the memorial of Christ's Passover. Make the making present and the sacra sacramental offering of his unique sacrifice in the liturgy of the church, which is his body. Therefore, when the church celebrates the Eucharist, through the consecration of the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, the very victim of Golgotha, now glorious, becomes present. So the same priest, Jesus Christ, the same act of sacrificial offering, which is that first offering on the cross at Golgotha 
inseparably united to the sacramental presence of Christ, an offering that is always present in the risen and glorious Christ. So only the external manifestation of the self-giving changes. On Calvary, it was through Christ's passion and death on the cross. In the Mass, it is through the memorial sacrament, the double consecration of the bread and wine in the context of the Eucharistic prayer, a sacramental image of the emulation of Christ on the cross. So the Last Supper, the sacrifice of Calvary, and the Eucharist are all intimately related. So the Last Supper was the sacramental anticipation of the sacrifice of the cross. The Eucharist, which Christ instituted there, perpetuates, or it makes present, down through the centuries, wherever it is celebrated sacramentally, his unique redeeming sacrifice. So that all generations can enter into contact with him and accept the salvation he offers to all humanity. So we say that the Eucharist is the sacrifice of Christ and the church. The Holy Mass is the sacrifice of Christ and the church. The Eucharist is also the sacrifice of the church. The church, which is the body of Christ, participates in the offering of her head. So the church is the body of Christ and the head is Christ. So when the sacrifice of the mass, we have Christ offering himself for us. In that offering, we are also with Christ because we are one with, with, with our Lord. We are the body of Christ. So with him, the church herself is offered whole and entire. She unites herself to his intercession with the Father for all men. So in the Eucharist, the sacrifice of Christ becomes also the sacrifice of the members of his body. The lives of the faithful, our lives, you and I, their praise, sufferings, prayer, and work are united with those of Christ and with his total offering, and so acquire a new value. So it has value because we unite it with the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we, the faithful, are not merely spectators at the act of worship offered by the celebrant. We all can and should join in the offering of the Eucharistic sacrifice because by baptism we have been incorporated into Christ and form part of a chosen race. Christians offer not only the spiritual worship of the sacrifice of their own works, and their entire existence, but also in Christ and with Christ, the pure, holy, and immaculate victim. 
the faithful, you and I, do not offer a different sacrifice from the sacrifice of Christ. For in uniting ourselves with him, we make it possible for the church's ob oblation to be incorporating it into his own. The church in union with Christ not only offers the Eucharistic sacrifice, but is also offered up in him. For as Christ's body and bride, she is inseparably united and spouse. The church is the body, Christ is the head, Christ is the bride, and the church is the spouse. So that is how intimately related the church and Christ is. So the teaching of the fathers is very clear. Fathers of the church is very clear in this regard. Um, for St. Cyprian, he says, the church being offered is symbolized in the liturgical offering of the gifts of bread and wine mixed with a few drops of water. I, I'm sure you, you remember uh, when you go to Mass and the, and the priest uh, takes the chalice, pours wine into the chalice, he, gets, he also gets water. And he places a few drops, maybe two drops of water into the wine inside the chalice. And that drop of water is the faithful, is the church. For St. Augustine, in the sacrifice of the altar, the whole church is offered with her Lord. As the sacramental celebration itself makes clear, this city fully redeemed, that is the assembly and society of the saints, is offered to God as a universal sacrifice by the high priest, who, in the form of a slave, offered himself for us in his passion to make us the body of so great a head. Such is the sacrifice of Christians, though many are one body in Christ. The Eucharistic liturgy clearly expresses how the church, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, takes part in Christ's sacrifice. And we hear these words when we go to Mass. This is part of the Eucharistic prayer. Look with favor on your church's offering and see the victim whose death has reconciled us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by his body and blood, may be filled with his Holy Spirit and become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make us an everlasting gift to you. Also in another Eucharistic prayer, we read, look upon the sacrifice which you have given to your church and by your Holy Spirit gather all who share this one bread and one cup into the one body of Christ, a living sacrifice of praise. So our participation, the faithful, faithful's participation consists above all in uniting themselves interiorly to Christ's sacrifice, which is made present on the altar through the ministry of the priest celebrant. But through the common priesthood, which we have received through baptism, we truly share in the sacrificial offering. 
So this interior participation should be shown externally. When we receive Holy Communion in the state of grace, when we respond during Mass, and when we pray with the priest and in our posture, and also sometimes when we participate in the readings and prayers of the faithful. That is how we can show externally that we are one with our Lord in celebrating the Holy Eucharist. So all of us are called to take part in the Holy Mass, putting into practice the true priesthood that we share. That is, we should have the intention of offering to the Father our own life and the struggle to free it from sin with Christ, who is the immaculate victim, repaying with filial love and thanksgiving all that they have received from him. So St. Maria says that um, the faithful should strive to make the Holy Mass the center of their interior life, thus giving expression to the words priestly soul. We all have to have a priestly soul. Keep struggling so that the holy sacrifice of the altar becomes the center and root of your interior, interior life. And so your whole day will turn into an act of worship, an extension of the mass you have attended, and a preparation for the next. Your whole day will then be an act of worship that overflows in aspirations, visits to the Blessed Sacrament, and the offering up of your professional work and your family life. The last point here, masses celebrated with none of the faithful present still have a public and social character. So the effects of each mass reach all places and times. Therefore, it is very fitting that priests celebrate Mass every day, even when none of the faithful can be present. So it's like our situation today. There is no public celebration of the Holy Mass, but we see on Facebook or on YouTube, our parish priests still celebrating Mass inside the church. So the fruits of the Mass are the effects that the saving power of the cross made present in the Eucharist, Eucharistic sacrifice produces in souls when freely accepted with faith, hope, and love for the Redeemer. So these fruits entail a growth in sanctifying grace and a closer conforming of one's life to Christ. So these fruits of holiness do not equally reach everyone who take part in the Eucharistic sacrifice, but vary in accord with the degree to which each individual participates in the liturgical celebration and with the measure of their faith and devotion. Sharing in different ways in the fruits of the Holy Mass are the church, the whole church, the celebrant, and those who, united with him, come together for the Eucharistic celebration. Those who, without taking part in the Mass, 
unite themselves spiritually to the celebrant and those for whom the mass is offered, whether living or dead. So when a priest receives an offering to apply the fruits of the mass for a particular intention, he is gravely obliged to offer the mass for that intention. Maybe that explains why usually before the mass, there's a long list of names for special intentions of particular persons. Or, and then after that, for the repose of the souls of, and then we see a list of names. That is because the priests are gravely obliged to offer mass for a particular intention. Thank you.